If you turn with me in your Bibles today, we're going to start in John 6. John 6, verse 1. And I just want to talk to you for a few minutes today about being hungry. So I thought with Thanksgiving and the crazy amounts of food that most of us probably ate and, and saw at our family gatherings. I don't know if y'all's is like ours, but there's plenty of food. You can eat and then you can go back and get another plate and play a little football or wait a little while and go back and get a little more. Plenty of food. Even if you're not hungry, you can keep eating. And I've just really been thinking all week about, about being hungry. And am I hungry? And am I spiritually hungry? Right? Or what am I hungry for, you know, to get more specific? Because there are some things that I could be hungry for, that I could be chasing after, and that I could be trying to fill myself with that would be very unhealthy. Right, it can go both ways. It could be good things that I need to fuel my pursuit. Or it can be like junk that I don't need to be eating. And I'm not just talking about natural food. I'm talking about spiritually and emotionally and mentally. What am I hungry for? What have I built up an appetite for? You know, they say you are what you eat. The Bible kind of backs that up. I preached a message on it a while back. But you are what you eat, or your words are like fruit, and you, you're eating that fruit, as the Bible puts it. So what are you eating? I heard one guy say when he found out you are what you eat, that he eats a little bit of yeast and shoe polish every night before he goes to bed, so that the next morning he can rise and shine. You know, in the natural, you can fuel your body with the things that you eat. Like you can fuel your body for all different things, for healing. Like if, you, if you're hurt, there's certain things that you can eat. When, when Jessie had that really bad accident and she was burned, they told us that she needed to take in lots of protein because her body was trying to heal itself and produce new skin. And so she needed like extra amounts of protein. And she didn't really feel like eating that much protein. She's not a big protein eater. She would have rather eat a salad. And I was like having to make her, okay, you need to drink this protein shake. Okay, here, you need to eat a steak. You need to eat more protein because that's what her body needed at the time. And so even though that wasn't what she had an appetite for in the moment, she trusted the wisdom of the doctor that said, hey, you need to really step up your protein intake if you want to heal right. You need to give your body what it needs to work with. And so she made a decision, okay, I'll drink the protein shake. Okay, I'll eat a steak instead of another salad. Okay, I'll... Because the doctor who had more wisdom said this is what you need to be taking in. And so even though she didn't feel like it at first... She took it in because she knew that's what she needed and that's what was good for her. Now, thank God, that kind of changed some things. And now she brought pick a steak over a salad. Right? Like, and she really, and you think I'm joking, she really wouldn't have before. And so what at first was a choice to just do what I need to do, do the next right thing, do what I'm supposed to do to help me be what I need to be 
After a while, it became a hunger. After a while, it became what she wanted. And so I want to show you today that that's how it can be for us spiritually, that especially if we've built up an appetite for things that aren't good for us. If we've built up an appetite for, there's all different things. We could have built up an appetite for any kind of addiction or you can build up an appetite for unhealthy sexual things or you can build up appetites for there's all different things some things may not even be a sin but if that's what you're filling yourself with that's not the plan of God so at first especially if we've built up some unhealthy appetites it's going to be really hard in fact it's just going to be a decision because we're not really hungry for what God says we need to be filled with like we don't have that hunger so we make a choice because we know that someone bigger than us and smarter than us, all-powerful, the one that created us, says, this is what you need to be filled with. And we're like, man, I hate that. That's disgusting. But okay, I'm going to eat the pile of onions because that's what I'm supposed to have. That's called obedience. That's called hearing God's voice, whether it be in a message or God speaks to you or you're reading the Bible and He speaks to, he speaks to us all different ways. But when God speaks to us and then we obey, that's making a choice to say, hey, even if I don't feel like this, I'm going to do it. Now, obedience is only proven when you're asked to do something you don't want to do or you disagree with. I mean, that's real cool if you got an obedient child that every time you tell them to eat a pack of candy, they do it. And every time, Johnny is so obedient. Every time I tell him to eat candy, he runs over there and eats it. Okay, cool. But what about when you tell him to clean his room? And us as kids and us as God's kids and Christians, I don't want to be the kind of people that every time God tells me something that's not comfortable or something that I don't want to do or something that I don't really like the taste of, I just say, nah, I ain't doing that. But I like a big piece of freedom in worship. Thank you, Daddy. That's not real obedience. Obedience is tested when we're asked to do something that we don't feel like doing. So I want you to think as we're, as we're talking for a few minutes today about what have you built up an appetite for? Is it healthy for you physically? Is it healthy for you emotionally? Sometimes we just have appetites for things that, that mess us up emotionally. We go places we have no business going. We, we do things that, that get us in a bad place spiritually. But in the natural, the things that you eat can fuel recovery. They can give you energy. Or you can take in junk and feel like junk. Right, Titus? Titus has quit eating sugar a lot. But then when he decides to cheat or have a bunch of sugar, and then he sits there and says how bad he feels. I'm like, well, you should have just done like me and kept eating it the whole time. <laughs> you wouldn't notice. And he's like, yeah, and you wouldn't have abs ever. And he would be right. And so would I. <laughs> because I've just kept putting in the junk all the time, and you can tell it by looking at me, right? You put junk in, you feel like junk. You don't get everything done that you want. Nutritionalists tell us that our appetites determine our diet. Our diet determines our intake and our intake determines our health. 
And that applies spiritually as well. So let's look at John 6. We're going to look at a familiar story. So I'm going to read through it kind of fast because I'm, I'm sure we all are pretty familiar with this story. But thank God wants to say some stuff to us through it as we think about being hungry. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. So this giant crowd starting to follow Jesus. Why? It just told us. Because they saw the miracles that he was doing and they were hungry. Like they were hungry for it. We want that. I want to see more of that. I want to get a miracle for myself. Hey, I got a buddy that's lame. I'm going to grab him and bring him. I know a lot of y'all have lame buddies. And you want to get them and bring them to Jesus. And so it was this big building thing where they were all following Jesus because they were hungry. They were spiritually hungry. I mean, these people had been listening to prophecies and looking for the Messiah to come and save them, even though they didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. They were kind of shocked and surprised when it was Jesus and, and that whole thing. And he died on the cross instead of being this savior on a white horse that's attacking Rome. It didn't look like they thought, but still they were searching for the Messiah and the word was spreading around and rumors that they thought this might be him. So they were hungry for that. They were looking for that. And so the crowd's growing and getting bigger and bigger. And Jesus went up unto the mountain. And there he sat with his disciples. So he kind of ditched the crowd and got away from them for a minute. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company come unto him. He said, whoa, where'd all those people come from? And he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Hey, Philip, where can we get enough bread for this many people to eat? They're hungry. They've been following us for a long time, and we're in the desert. So, hey, Philip, I want you to tell me where can we possibly get enough bread to feed all these people? Jesus wasn't actually looking for Philip to give him the answer. Jesus wasn't looking for Philip to be like, here's what we need to do. And Jesus would say, okay, you're right, I'll do it. How do I know that? It tells us in the next verse. And this he said, to prove, or that word prove is to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. I said Jesus already knew exactly what he was going to do. He just said that to test Philip. To test Philip's faith. To see if Philip believed yet or if Philip was thinking big enough yet. Right? Like he's like, I'm gonna check and see. Let's see if Philip's got faith to believe in something bigger than just what he can see or what he can figure out in his mind. So Jesus said it just to test him. And verse 7 Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That every one of them might take even just a little bit. Like We couldn't even fill everybody up even if we had tons, this much money. That's not even going to be enough. And if we, if, if we bought a wheat farm and we started growing wheat and then in next year we could harvest enough and then we'd have to pay back what we spent on the land and then we could 
hire some people to start making bread. And then, so Jesus, for us to feed 5,000 people, like it would take us a couple of years to even earn that much money and get enough, a bread company going enough that we could feed 5,000 people with their wives and kids. And this is where Philip's mind's going. And like, I'm kind of being funny, but that's kind of how we do. When God asks us or Jesus asks us something like, hey, how do you think we can do this? And you're like, well, we don't really have the money for that. And there's not money in the church budget. So if we started saving up this, and it's pretty much impossible right now because I'm not qualified to do that. And we do just like Moses and so many other people that we can see in the Bible as we start making excuses and telling God why it won't work rather than having the faith to trust Him and say, I don't know how we can do that, God, but I'm in if you think we can. Or what if Philip would have just said to Jesus, I have no idea where we could get that much bread, but I bet you do. What if he flipped the question on him? I don't know, Jesus, where can we get enough bread to feed this many people? What if he would have had the faith to believe that big and just trust that Jesus knew? I think that's what Jesus was trying to teach him. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five, five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? I mean, I saw a kid over there with a Lunchable, but what good is that going to do? So he was kind of thinking bigger, like he had a little bit of faith, like maybe we could do something, but nah, never mind. What's that going to do? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in numbers about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed unto the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would they ate as much as they wanted and when they were filled that word filled we're going to look at it again in the next scripture it is to be satisfied or full so they didn't just get like a fish nugget like something to hold them over until they got into the next town like he wanted to make sure we knew like they were full they were all satisfied and happy, so much so that there were leftovers. Like the Thanksgiving meal, they were offering, anybody want any more? After 5,000 men and women and kids all ate, and then there were still leftovers. Everybody was full. I can't eat another thing. Man, I'm stuffed. When everybody was filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remaineth, that nothing be lost that nothing would go to waste. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, I want you to watch this first. Then those men, what men? The 5,000. So we're talking about these 5,000 men and, and they didn't write down all the women and kids, but they should be included too. So we're well over 5,000. But then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, I like to point out that the reason they were all following Jesus is because they had already seen him do other miracles. 
they had already seen him heal other people. And maybe they didn't know that person or what, but we just read a few verses before. They were following him because they knew he could do miracles. But this tells us that now, after he did this miracle, like he did a personal miracle for all of them, he filled all their bellies and they were all full. When they saw the miracle that Jesus did, they said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. All he did was feed them. And they're like, yep, that's the Messiah. That's the one we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. That was him. How are you so sure? Why did you decide you love this guy now? He just, he fed me. And they all decided that Jesus was the one that was sent to, to save the world, to save, well, not save the world. They thought save just the Jews. We know the whole world. Verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again unto the mountain himself alone. Jesus got so famous after feeding them, he became so popular with these thousands of people. Jesus realized, uh-oh, this isn't how it's supposed to go down. I just got so famous and so popular from feeding all of them, they're about to take me by force and force me to be their king. Instant fame. And Jesus was like, wait, that's not how the plan's supposed to go down. I'm supposed to get killed. Like, they're supposed to hate me, not love me. I gotta go. And Jesus slipped out by himself and took off running and hid in the mountain. And this is where his fame really began to build and take off. And, and before that, he had done several miracles and some small things and crowds were starting to follow. But after this is when it really exploded. This is when everybody knew about Jesus. Why? Word of mouth. Right? Probably close to 20,000 people loved him and thought he was the Messiah. So if they all went and told one more person and that person told one more person, how? He just fed people. Right? He, he fed them. They were filled. They were hungry. And Jesus filled them. 5,000 fed people made Jesus famous. What if you stop trying to promote and advertise your ministry or your purpose? Stop trying to tell everybody what I'm doing great things. Look at me. Why don't you support me? I'm going to do awesome things. What if you just stopped trying to promote yourself and just started feeding hungry people? Feeding hungry people. That's what Jesus did. Believe God for more than you could do and have enough faith to just feed as many people as you can. Who all gets fed? Who all gets fed? Everybody that showed up. How? <laughs> Don't know. Faith. Trust God. And then the one kid with a Lunchable. He got to be part of the story. And here, over 2,000 years later, we're sitting here talking about him and taking his example that we can hopefully go back and apply to our lives and change the way we think and live thousands of years later because a little kid with his Lunchable was willing to give it. He was just willing to let go of what he had. It wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient. It couldn't do a miracle with a couple of pieces of fish and a few pieces of bread. 
Was the kid the only one in the crowd with any food? No. There's no way that there were 5,000 men and their wives and their kids and, and that nobody else had any food but one little boy. No, there were probably a lot of people in the crowd that had some food. Not enough to feed everybody. They were obviously all hungry, but, but we're talking about the boy and a great miracle was done. Why? Just simply because he was willing to give what he had. He was willing to take what he had and give it to Jesus, not knowing if he would be filled himself, not knowing if he was going to get what he needed. Well, my mama gave me that lunch for me. Why should I give it to him? He wasn't the only one with food, but he gave what he had. Man, I want future generations to look back at my life. And even if they don't know my name, I want to be the boy that gave what I had. And even if I felt like it wasn't enough, or I want to be the one that just gave what I had to Jesus to watch people get fed and to make Jesus famous. The boy didn't make himself famous by giving what he had. I don't, the purpose of me giving money every week and the purpose of me giving time every week and the, the purpose of me helping out and volunteering or going over to the house last week and for a little while and just fixing some things that needed to be fixed giving time whatever it is the purpose is not to make me famous I don't want to like try to make myself look good and famous I just want to give what I have and let it make Jesus famous. That's what we're called to be as, as part of the body. We give what we have. And people get fed. And God gets the glory. Look what Jesus said um, in John 6.35. For me, it's the next page in my Bible. Not sure about yours. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. If you've got a hunger inside of you, there's a hunger in you for something bigger, for something greater, to, to not just live this small life. There's People say it all different ways, the, the God-shaped hole inside of you or the even people that don't believe in God. Like, is there something else out there? Or is there something bigger, a higher power? All, that's this hunger that's inside of you. And Jesus said, he that comes to me, I'm the bread of life. He that comes to me, I'll never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I don't know about y'all, but there have been some times in my life where I wasn't hungry anymore, but I was real thirsty. <coughs> I got nothing to drink. I need something to wash this down. And that word that was translated believeth there is a Greek word, and it, it means this, to put one's faith in, to trust, with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. It is to be committed Commit to trust. So that word, Jesus said, okay, first of all, if you come to me, anybody's welcome to come to me. You come to me, that's salvation. Jesus died on the cross to save us and pay for all of our sins. He said, you come to me, 
and you won't be hungry anymore. I'll fill that void. You'll go to heaven one day. And he said, but he that believeth on me. And the word believeth, he said, what I just read you, the definition, it, it means that there is some action. That you don't just think it in your mind and heart, but that you are committed or that you commit to that trust. That means you're willing to put some action behind it. It's an action word. So he said, yeah, anybody that comes to me, you're not going to be hungry anymore. But anybody that believes enough to actually put some action behind it and back up their words, like, I, I think the hungry should be fed or I'll go feed the hungry. That's the difference in the word that Jesus used right here is I'll go feed the hungry. I'll, I'll do what I can do. I'll give what I have even though it's not enough. On me, he'll never thirst. Look at Matthew 5, 6. What else Jesus said about being hungry? Blessed, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. So, I want to be blessed. I want to live a blessed life. I'm sure all of you do too. We want to be blessed. And Jesus said right here, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness is what is right, justice, the act of doing what is right according to God's standards. The state of being in proper relationship with God. For the right thing, last week we talked about doing the right thing over and over and doing the right thing even when it hurts Jesus said if you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness they shall be filled and that word filled some of your depending on what translation you're reading in it might say satisfied or some translations say happy that word can mean all of that that you will be filled satisfied happy so so you can read that that these are words from Jesus Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be happy. For they shall be satisfied. It's the same word. So if you're going through life and you don't feel satisfied, you don't feel like, man, I wish I I had this or I had that, or I'm not satisfied with what I have. I'm not satisfied with the relationships that I have. I'm not satisfied with the ministry I have. I'm not satisfied with the bank account that I have. I'm not satisfied with... Maybe your hunger and thirst aren't directed towards righteousness. You might be hungry for things that Jesus didn't place in your heart. You might be hungry for things that will draw you away from your purpose. If you don't feel satisfied, if you don't feel happy. Gratitude is the pathway to joy. Just don't know. Hunger fuels pursuit. All right? Think about it. In the natural, when I'm hungry, I start looking for something to eat. If I'm driving down the road and I'm hungry, man, I'm getting starving. I got to find something to eat. Right? What are we going to do? You just start looking for a Chick-fil-A unless it's Sunday. 
or you start looking for signs of, hey, where can I find something to eat? Or, hey, here comes a gas station. I guess I'll just stop there and get some Hunt Brothers pizza or some roller food. Or I mean, I actually, I am hungry. <laughs> and as soon as I get done with this message, there will be a hunger in the back of my mind that will drive pursuit. And eventually, today, I will find food. Right? I'm, it's the same in the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, if you're hungry for righteousness, if you're hungry for the right thing, you're hungry for a right relationship with God, you're hungry for purpose, you will be satisfied. You will be filled. You will be happy. And it will determine what you chase. When you're hungry... It's all you think about. The hungrier you get, the more you think about it. You, you all know, oh, you've been there. You're so hungry and somebody keeps talking to you and you're just really ready to eat, but they won't quit talking and you're not even really listening to what they're saying because you're just, I just want to go eat. Can we talk after we get our plate? I have no idea what you said the last five minutes because everybody else is getting plates. It's all you think about. The hungrier you get, the more you think about it. And sometimes when you eat something and you're satisfied, you can come back to a little bit of sanity. Canaan told me last week we were talking about something and he told me that he got kind of upset with somebody and wanted to go punch him in the face. And he didn't. He just ate a bag of Doritos and then he felt fine. Just realized he was kind of hungry. I was glad he didn't go punch the person in the face. Right? He, he could have beat him up, but it would have still been the wrong thing to do. So he just ate a bag of Doritos. Did, were we able to get that video up? Let me show you guys a video. Sometimes you just need to eat something. Hey, Tony, not you. pick it up. All right, this whole row finished. You know, I'm just not feeling the woodcutting thing today. Yeah. Are you done? What is the rush here? Is there like a worldwide shortage of gazebos? Tony, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little bit whiny when you're hungry. Better? Better. Hey! My back hurts! <laughs> now my front hurts! You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. So if you're running around hungry all the time, you're not you. You're not who God called you to be. If you're filling yourself with the wrong things all the time, you're not you. You're not who God's called you to be. right? You're not the son or the father or the sister or the mother or the brother or the leader or whatever it is that God called you to be because that's different for all of us. But if we're not filling ourselves with the things that God says we're supposed to fill ourselves with, as Christians, we were created to worship. So we're supposed to be worshiping God. We're supposed to be taking in the Word. We're supposed to be praying. there's, There's all these things that we're instructed to fill ourselves with in different ways that we can fill ourselves up. And Jesus said, if you're doing that, you're going to be happy. You're going to be satisfied. Even if your circumstances don't look good, bad things are going to happen. You're still going to get hurt. 
but you'll be satisfied. You'll still be happy. I have a condition, and I don't know if I've talked to y'all about it, um, and I treat it usually like three times a day. And I've tried everything. I've tried everything that I can think of. The condition is called hunger. I've tried getting rid of it with pizza. I've tried getting rid of it with barbecue. I've tried getting rid of it with sushi. I've tried getting rid of it with steak. I've tried getting rid of it with almost every sandwich at the Highland Deli and Grill. I've tried getting rid of it with all kind of stuff and it temporarily works for a moment and some of those things work better than other things but after two, three hours it starts coming back. I start to feel the hunger again and the more I treat the problem the quicker it comes back and the more I need to fill this belly. think about that in the spirit why did Jesus tell us to build up an appetite to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness and for the things of God and for our relationship with God and the more we eat it and the more we fill ourselves up over and over and over not only do we build up an appetite but we stretch our capacity we can hold more and more goodness, more and more of God, more and more fruits of the Spirit start to come out of us more and more. Because, you know, in the natural, it's not a good thing that I can hold more and more food. But when we're talking about good things, right, like righteousness, you can't have too much. So the more I take in, the bigger I get, and the more my hunger fuels my pursuit in other words, it dictates what I do in a day. If I'm starving for righteousness when I wake up in the morning, guess what I'm going to do? Run to somewhere, be it a podcast, my Bible, my uh, worship on the radio. Some, I'm going to be trying to fill that hunger. And that's a good thing. But if I've built up an appetite to unhealthy things, it can work in the opposite way. If you don't eat for a long time, hunger goes away. To stay hungry, you have to keep eating. People that don't have an appetite or people that are trying to gain weight or build muscle, a lot of times they have to make themselves eat to take in the amount of calories that they're supposed to even break up their meals into a bunch of smaller meals and try to just get in more calories, more protein, more good things throughout the day to eat more what I'm saying is you don't need to wait it is not healthy for you to wait to only eat good things on Sunday morning during worship in my message and then you just snack on junk food and spiritual sugar all week long whatever comes along or you feel like and then Sunday morning you come try to stuff yourself with good things on, I mean that's good that's better than never having anything good it's better to have one good meal a week than none. But if you want to be healthy, you need to have more good meals than bad ones. Right? You need to make this thing go throughout the whole week. Don't just get it in here in the morning when I'm serving it to you on a plate. you got to learn how to go get it. That's part of growing up spiritually. That's part of maturing 
is figuring out what fills you up. What drives you to be the person that God created you to be. How do you stay hungry? Well, you got to eat. But if you think about the natural, you know what? You've also got to empty yourself. I don't want to get too nasty or graphic, but you got to empty yourself of all the waste. you got to let go of all the things that you're not supposed to be carrying around. If you don't, it'll back up the whole system and then you won't be able to take in the good things. Right? You won't be hungry for the things that you need to eat if you're not releasing the other stuff and flushing. You have to let it go. Let go of all the crap. You got to get it out of you or you won't be hungry. You know why I like going and speaking to the guys at Blake House and go up there regularly and, and speak to those guys and we get like two hours in there. Usually Dylan goes with me and we do some praise and worship and I speak and, and it's always good and usually almost every time I cry, they cry. Afterwards we hug like, and it always goes good even if I don't, like sometimes I feel like, man, I don't even know if what I'm saying today is going to be that good. And then it turns out to be great. I think it's just because they're all in a place where they're hungry. They're not filling themselves up with junk right now. They can't. They don't have cell phones. They don't have substances. They don't have distractions. They just want to hear God. Right? And they're in a place in life right now where they're just searching for, and they're like, just give me, give me whatever you got. What Did God say anything to you this morning? And you could say one word from God and they're just eating it up. They're hungry. It's just a room full of hungry guys. And so it's always good because they're starving. Right? The hungrier you are, the better cook I am. I mean, you know, if you're full, then you might turn your nose up to something. But if you're real hungry, the hungrier you are, you start to eat things that you might not have eaten before. I need to, I need to get going. If you're not hungry or you lost your appetite, it's a sign of sickness. You stop eating. Even, even like in animals, like with my pigs. If, if one of my pigs won't eat, I know there's something wrong. We need to do something fast. It's a sign of sickness. It's a sign that something's wrong. Same is true in the spirit. If you aren't hungry for God, if you're not hungry for worship or, or fellowship with the body, or if you're not hungry for Bible study or more, or, or you don't want to come to church or you don't care, it's like, ah, I don't even want to go to church today. Or It's like a light that comes on in your dash. It's letting you know, hey, something's wrong. Hey, you're not hungry. You're not hungry for God. You're not hungry for purpose. We got to be really careful because it's in those times that that sin doesn't really bother us. And when we see people hurting, when we see somebody struggling or broken, we don't really care enough to to do something about it or to have compassion. You know, we start to lose our empathy. We just think, oh, well, they're an idiot. They should just get it together. 
rather than feeling what they feel and understanding where they're coming from and saying, hey, I'm going to try to help. What could I do? How could I help them get their hunger back? If you don't have a hunger for God, then it's going to be real hard for you to help somebody else get a hunger for God. I can sit here and tell you all day long what you need to do. But if you look at me and I'm not doing what I tell you you need to do, then you're probably not going to do what I'm telling you to do. Hope you all followed that. I'm not sure if I... It's just a warning sign. Warning, warning. So Jesus is the source of spiritual life. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life remember the story of the prodigal son when he came home the father did what fed him kill the fatted calf kill the big fat cow that we've been getting ready for this special occasion we've been feeding him for all this time it's time to kill him why because I want to feed my boy remember what drove the prodigal son home what was it it was his hunger Hunger drove him to come home. He was sitting in the field with the pigs, looking at the pig food, thinking, man, I'm hungry. I want to eat what those pigs are eating. And then that drove him back to the father's house where he belonged because he was so hungry. And the minute he got there, the father didn't say, well, now you have to fast because you're a dummy and you've wasted all your whole inheritance and you've been doing bad things that I don't approve of. No. What the father do? killed the calf the investment that he had been feeding for a very long time to get it nice and fat he killed it to feed the boy to feed that hunger why because the hunger led him to where he's supposed to be hunger brought him home and the father filled him satisfied him he said kill the fatted calf my boy's home Hunger fuels pursuit. So again, I ask you, what are you hungry for? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, He became sin so that we could become righteousness, so that we could be righteous. We're talking about being hungry for righteousness. Right, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Jesus paid the price so that that could be who you are. Like who you are is righteousness. You could become the righteousness of God. So don't disqualify yourself and say, I couldn't be righteous. I can't be right with God. I can't do the right thing. I don't, you know, I've, I've got so many different hungers that drive me in so many different directions. And I got this addiction and I got this problem and I got this. Like, No. Jesus died on the cross. He became sin. That means he took all sin that there ever was, that there ever has been, that there ever will be. Your sin, my sin, all of our sin, all the sin of human humanity, mankind. He took it all so that you could become righteous. It was paid for. It's yours. So we should hunger and thirst after righteousness and we'll be satisfied, we'll be happy, we'll be filled, Jesus said.
That's our purpose. To be in right standing with God. To be in relationship. Living a right or a God-centered life. Isaiah 32, 17 says this. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Forever? That's pretty cool. The effect of righteousness will be a quiet confidence, you could say. That's what we're supposed to look like. Quiet confidence. We don't have to scream and holler because we know who we are. And we know who we're connected to. Proverbs 27, 7 says, When you are full, you will refuse honey. But when you're hungry, even bitter food tastes sweet. Uh, if you're full of all kind of other stuff, you're full of success and you're full of all kind of things I could think of that you could be full of that you shouldn't be full of. I'll let you fill in the blank. But if you're full of it, then you'll refuse even honey, something sweet, something good. But if you're really hungry, Solomon said there in Proverbs that even bitter food tastes sweet. Even if God asks you to do something you don't want to do, you'll take it because you're hungry for righteousness. Obedience. Even if he asks you something, you're like, ah, but I love it. No, okay. I'll eat it because I'm hungry. I'm hungry for you, God. I'm hungry for your voice. I'm hungry for your word. And so I'm going to trust something bigger than me. Even though I don't understand and I don't, I didn't even want this, but I'll obey. Because that's what obedience is. It's trusting. thinking about in the natural like when we fast you know we call it fasting I don't know why we call it fasting because it ain't fast I call it slowing seems like it takes forever right? but the longer you fast you know the first few days you get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier but after a few days of not eating the hunger starts to go away it starts to disappear you're not putting it in so what about when you're spiritually hungry what if you're emotionally hungry you know that you can build up an appetite for things that are bad for you or things that are good for you Vincent Peale he was an author famous author speaker a religious leader he would go around and do like seminars and speaking to people so you may have heard of him you may have heard of some of his books he had some really famous books but at 92 years old he was asked the question what's the most important thing that people need to know 
to have an extraordinary quality of life. What's the most important thing in your 92 years of living on this earth and all the things that you've seen and speaking and he was considered an expert. And immediately without hesitation, he said they need to understand the power of problems. The only people without problems are in the cemetery. Like everybody's got problems was his point. And he said, some people understand the power of problems. They realize that everybody's got problems and everybody's going to have hurt. and Everybody's going to have pain. But it's what you do with those. Leaders are the ones that figure out how to solve problems quickly. He said, without, everybody without problems is in the cemetery. So if you don't have any problems, you better get down on your knees and start praying for some. Because problems are a sign of life. That's what he said. So good news, I'm alive. I got some life. And I think you do too. If you see a really, really strong person with some big muscles, you know what it means? They've had lots of pressure and resistance. And they figured out how to deal with it in a healthy way. Just talking about the natural muscles. If, if I want to have a big arm muscle, then I need to put more and more pressure and resistance and problems on it and then learn how to deal with it in a healthy way, to lift it in the right way. Because if I do it in the wrong way, I could hurt myself. If I do it in the wrong way, it could break me down. But if I do it in the right way, it can make me strong. What I do with the things that life throws at me, what I do with the problems that come at me, they can either make me stronger or they can break me down and I'll live in brokenness for the rest of my life. We all have problems. And it seems like some of us have much bigger, harder problems. But if we changed our mindset and started seeing the weights as a gift, the problems are a gift. Or... We can just let it crush us and say, I can't take one more thing. I can't deal with this anymore. I don't know what's going on. What will you choose when it's dark, when it hurts, when you're hungry? What are you hungry for? I feel like I was going to, I had a, several more scriptures I was going to go to and this whole ending thing, but I feel like, I feel like we're done. That's enough to, to chew on and maybe we'll jump on the next part next week. So I'm going to pray, but I want us to ask God today as, as we reflect on the message and our week and, and we try to be doers and not just hearers of the word like James told us that each one of us I'm going to ask you to just think about what am I hungry for spiritually what is it that I'm hungry for when I wake up in the morning am I hungry for the things of God like 
Am, am I looking to be filled with what's right and righteousness and, and purpose and meaning? And am I looking for areas that I can give? Like, hey, you know what? I could give a little bit of time there. You know what? I, I, gotta, I don't have a lot, but I got a Lunchable. I'll give it to you, Jesus. Or is it the other way around where, where we're just full and we're hungry for the wrong things and we're looking for what can somebody else give to me? Hey, I hope somebody else is going to figure out how to feed me. When I'm hungry in this area, I need this in this area. And I hope somebody else figures it out. God, prove yourself. That tells me that you got the wrong appetite. And hunger drives your pursuit. So really, I can look at the things that you're chasing and I can tell what you're hungry for. I can look at the things you're chasing and I can tell what you've been eating, what you've been placing value on. God, speak to each one of us. Reveal the areas in our life where We've just been binge eating on the wrong things and areas where we've been eating junk or where we've allowed addictions and mindsets and we've allowed band-aids where you wanted to bring healing. Where we've covered up areas of brokenness because we were embarrassed rather than bringing it to the light and finding healing through your body and through community and connection so that we can get strong. God, help us to view our problems as opportunities to do and be all that you've called us to be. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.